When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck. I'm on with my coworker, Jordan Bianchi, who is at Charlotte Motor Speedway for another edition of the Roval Race. We now know the final eight drivers for this year's Cup Series playoffs, and we got the A.J. Allmendinger win that we both predicted uh, <laughs> this year at a road course. It just didn't come before the playoffs, which made our playoff picks incorrect. But it did happen. Probably not partial credit for that, though, Jordan. No, but this is why we both said, like, hiring A.J. Allmendinger and putting him in your race car gives you a puncher's chance to get in the playoffs every year. And for a mid-sized team like Colleague Racing, it makes a lot of sense. And it didn't happen how we thought it would. It certainly they, they did not make the playoffs this year. But AJ showed when it comes to road courses, he's as good as it gets. And he's somebody that is frankly talent-wise deserving of a full-time ride in the Cup Series. Yeah, and um, let's start there because you asked some interesting questions in the post-race press conference. Um, which were very, you know, logical to me. I mean, you were basically saying to Matt Collard and Chris Rice, so wait a minute now, like you guys talk about trophy hunting. And so if, if you guys are going for trophies and you want to win, how come you're not saying that AJ Allmendinger is going to be back in a cup car next year? And, and, you know, they, they say, well, you know, we haven't announced what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. They're playing very coy, but uh, there's no sort of like, nothing to sort of make you feel good that AJ Allmendinger um, is or is not, I guess, going to be in that car. I don't know, but you don't get a great feeling that uh, he's going to be back in cup. No. I mean, I, and I talked to Chris Rice before that press conference one-on-one and he said to me, I, I asked him the question, it's not all about performance, is it? And he goes, no, it's not. It's a lot about sponsorship dollars and funding and that, that kind of thing. And that's where there's a gap right now. They just don't have the funding in place for that 16 car um, and so they've got to kind of make some decisions or not. And I mean, I'll, I'll say this, but I'm going to say the thing I'm going to write. All indications are and sources indicate that AJ Allmendinger is probably going to be full time in the, in the Xfinity series next year, running for colleague, and he's going to move down. Now, I did ask the question to Chris Rice. Could this change the parameter a little bit? Like, could this be like the, the, the bucket of cold water? Like, hey, wait a second. What are we doing here? Like, we just want to raise. This. And he, he left the door open. He said, maybe, you know, maybe Matt will change his mind. Maybe, you know, or Matt, we pick that back. But maybe Matt will, you know, uh, maybe this will keep make help Matt, Matt make his decision of wanting to keep AJ in cup. But we'll see how it plays out. But as we heard in the press conference, they have a plan. They just haven't announced it. So <laughs> we'll see what that plan is. But all indications are that AJ is going to the Xfinity Series next year full time, which, again, if your goal is to win races and for a team like this to get in the playoffs, that's kind of what you got to do. Uh, it would make sense to keep AJ Allmendinger in that car because I don't see a viable replacement for him. Right. No. Yeah, I agree. And you would think 
Um, I know you, you were probably on pit road and didn't see the NBC interview afterwards, but you know, he's obviously extremely emotional and crying and he gets asked by NBC. Um, I think it was Marty Snyder doing the interview, you know, like what, where's this coming from? And AJ's pretty much like, you never know when it's going to be the last one. You never know when you're gonna have a chance to win one of these things. And if it's, if he is actually, if he knows he's going down to Xfinity and he wins this cup race, you know, maybe he's looking at like, Hey, I've my cup career. I, I don't know if I'm going to be, this might be it, you yeah. know? So like, I think that's probably where a lot of the emotion may come from. Like, you know, he got another cup win and, um, in the playoffs at that, even though he's not a part of it, um, you know, a big race and, you know, he can still do it. Right. And, and, you know, he just had a kid and I'm sure there's a lot coming from that, but you know, if, if you do know that, Hey, this could be it. I mean, that's, that's, that would lead, that would explain a lot about why he was so uh, emotional afterwards. It, it would seem to make sense. And you don't know when you're going to be in a cup car again and, you know, who, and what that situation is going to be, which is unfortunate because if you look at it, AJ certainly has the talent. And if you give him equipment, it's not just on road courses either. Like he's a good driver overall. He's, he's much further. He's much different than he was earlier in his career. He's evolved to where he's a driver who's capable of winning on, on different kinds of ovals. We, we have seen him do that in the Xfinity series. We have seen good runs out of him in the cup side. Um, it, it's just, it doesn't make sense. And if this comes down to, you know, dollars and cents and sponsorship, I, I guess, but is that what the direction that, you know, NASCAR overall should be about where you, you decide what, who, who's going to drive your car based on who writes the biggest check. It's just, you know, especially for that organization, which is supposed to be about winning and trophy hunting. It's, it's the antithesis of what they're supposed to be. Yeah. Well, unfortunate reality, but, uh, it is pretty expensive to run these teams and, uh, they've given it a go for a while with colleague seemingly using a lot of his own money. And, um, it's probably just not, not viable after a while. Um, so Almendinger becomes, uh, the first non-playoff driver to win in the playoffs this year. If, if I'm, unless I'm completely yeah, missing like something. Yeah, it's like the last eight playoff races or something in general, even dating back to last year. Yeah, well, I mean, like last year when playoff drivers swept the first round or non-playoff drivers swept the first round, that was pretty unusual. But we can chalk that up to sort of like the next gen, you know, that, that still the newness of everything that was happening last year. This year, it's been more of like, hey, the, the people that we would expect to win races are, are doing that. Um, but, you know, Almondinger, I, I still feel like it's not, it's not like he was a shock or anything like that. No. Um, not here, no. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially, you know, going into it, I was really thinking it was going to be a McDowell, an Almondinger, and maybe even a Ty Gibbs, somebody like that who wasn't going to have to worry about stage points, um, didn't didn't have to run those out, could flip the stages, all that stuff, right? Like, those, those were the guys who were going to be in great position because the playoff drivers, most of them, had to worry about... Um, locking themselves in, getting those points, all that stuff. I mean, that, it made a difference in the guys we'll talk about who advanced. So, you know, I, I just thought this was ripe in some ways for that to happen. Um, and, you know, he once he got control of the race, I mean, he ends up leading 46 laps uh, out of the 109 laps. So he led the most laps um, and really, you know, it just you just never felt like toward the end, even when uh, Gibbs and Kyle Busch got up there and, and Byron uh, as well, I just, I was never really seriously like, oh my gosh, is, is Almondinger going to get past here? It just felt like he, he was just going to do what he needed to do to win. I mean, it, and unless I'm feeling differently than you. No, I, I would, I would say with that, and this was a, this is a circuit that is really good for AJ. We have seen him do that. And it felt like he was in control of the race. And those late restarts that were interesting to me, we talk about that is the Kyle Busch factor. 
and like how the opportunity, I, I really felt like Kyle made a really impressive pass to get the second place late there. And then the caution came out and he started second. And I really felt like that was the moment where I was like, okay, this, if, if Kyle's going to win this race, as good as AJ has been, he's got the dominant car. This is where you have to do it. You probably have to get a little mean and maybe muscle him out of the way. And he didn't get that restart. And AJ just kind of was able to get a good restart and pull away. This was a clean, this was a, in a race that was, was very chaotic at times, especially late and kind of messy. Um, AJ Duck did a really good job. And that's what he does. And you go back to his second, his his other cup win or his other cup win with colleague a couple years ago, that also was a chaotic race. And he does a really good job of just kind of staying out of the fray and putting himself in position to capitalize. And today he, he dominated at, at times and he was just able to stay out of that. And that was that to me that that stood out. So a couple things on the Kyle thing there, right? So on that restart, you know, he kind of spins his tires or something happens there where he doesn't get a good restart. But even before that, right, like um, his team is telling, I was listening to his radio and his team's telling him, look, even if you can get ahead of him here, you're probably gonna have to try to gap him pretty mm-hmm. good because you're, it's going to be tough. They they knew that they were not as fast as yeah. the 16 car, you know? And Almendinger says in the post-race press conference, you know, look, I, I'm, I was glad to see Kyle line up behind me as bad as that may sound, because number one, I knew we were faster than him. And then number two, and I think this is a key point that a lot of people overlook is the respect that Kyle races with and, and the clean driver that he is. I mean, that's something that Denny's talked about on his podcast before. Um, you know, Kyle got this reputation with the Hornaday stuff and the way he raced early in his career, but sure. Yeah. Richmond. Right. So like, um, but now, you know, Kyle, at least by his peers is considered to be one of the more respectful, clean guys out there. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, Almondinger's not like, Oh, he's going to, he's going to do something to take me out in a cheap way. You know, maybe he could have used the bumper if they were close on the last lap or something, but Kyle wasn't just going to go in there and plow him out of the way. I I don't think, um, for even, even if it meant advancing, um, to the next round, I just don't, I, I'm not saying Kyle is to the true X level of, ultra ultra clean mm-hmm. but i think kyle is pretty close in that like oh, yeah. he's going to try to do everything he can to race straight up um before he would ever consider something like that yeah i mean and i will say he's a little bit different than truex that if you do get physical with kyle like he is not afraid to give it back to you sure. like you know truex was a little bit more reluctant i i do i don't know if i, I don't know how to say i, w- I would have liked to see kyle have the opportunity to maybe just be in that situation of whether he had to decide to use the bumper or not because it's yeah, I mean, he's a very clean driver. He's got a great reputation in the garage, and he is, despite what maybe fans think of him, he is actually a very clean driver. He doesn't get physical to, to make moves. But in that situation where you're in a must-win and your only path to go forward is to, frankly, you know, move somebody, I don't know. I mean, we, we've seen it before. Like, does that switch flip? And you you have to do it. It would have been interesting to see how Kyle would have reacted in that situation because, Frank, I don't remember him actually being – in his career, I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember him actually being in a playoff race where like he had to get like he had to be like that before. I mean, he's I feel like he's been on the other end of it more times. Like yeah. Harvick oh, yeah. I agree at with that. Martinsville a couple years ago For where sure. Harvick just used him up to try to all, all get that down. last spot. And um, yeah, things like that. Um, well, as it, as it so happens, Kyle ends up um, being last among the 12 drivers. He misses the next round by a full 30 points. Afterwards, he says, boy, you know. Um, I really wish, you know, I could have had those couple races back and, you know, it might've been a different story. Yes, to a degree, but 30 points is still a lot of points. I mean, it's not like he missed by 
10 or even 15 no. where you go, man, if I just, if only this, I mean, he still, he still might've been in a, in a situation where he missed by a few points. Um, even if, you know, Texas and Talladega go better for him, maybe not, but, um, you know, 30, 30 is a lot to, you know, you, it's not like, it's not like some of these situations where you go, man, this guy made this mistake and he only missed it by two points. Wow. You could really point right to that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, I look, both of us, you know, n- neither of us had Kyle Busch in our final eight. And I, I just feel like we felt, you know, they, they were good early in the year, but they really sort of didn't carry that momentum through in the summer and, and really seemed to doubt themselves and, and just lost. Too many mistakes. Way too many mistakes. And Kyle talked about this at Talladega last week. And I thought it was a really be- revealing answer. Like, Hey, I- I'm making too many mistakes as a driver. I'm trying to do too much at times and it's all, it's compounding issues. And that, that was what happened at, at Texas. And I'm looking at it. He finished 34th at Texas. He was running in the top 10 at the time. Let's just say conservatively, he finishes 10th. That's 24 points right there. You know, that's not counting stage points or anything like that. That's a huge thing. And that was the issue with this team this year. They just, you know, you go back to Michigan. Um, that, that stood out. You go back to, there was another one and I'm, and I'm blanking on it. And there was too many times this year where they had fast race cars and they didn't allow them. Loudon was the other one. And they didn't have, they, they had speed, but they didn't execute. They made mistakes and they just compounded things. And you can't do that. And it bit them. I mean, unfortunately, Talladega happened. You know, they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's hard to be critical of that. But you can maybe get away with a Talladega mulligan if you don't have what happened at Texas. And that, to me, is indicative of what we saw of this team. You look at their first three wins this year, you know, it came, you know, relatively early. Obviously, he won at Fontana in the second race, then he won Spring Talladega, and then he won again at Gateway, which is the 15th race of the year. And then from there, though, it's up, it's down, it's up. They'd have a good run, they'd have a bad finish. They just weren't able to string together consistency. That was what was missing from this team. And, you know, I think that's what over the next four weeks, as we look at, you know, kind of dissect of the looking ahead a little bit of what happened is they need to figure out, we need to get our consistency back. You just need to string together good finishes and not try to do too much. And maybe that's just Kyle getting better adapted to this next-gen car and the limitations of it, but he's not the only driver who's like that. Like before, it felt like you could carry the older car, like your ability, and you could maybe kind of make it better than it was in this next-gen car. It seems like when drivers tend try to do that, bad things happen. So, um, as I said there, Kyle missed by 30 points. Brad Keselowski was the next uh, one there, finished 11th in this round, uh, missed by 23 points. Again, I don't really see where, um, I mean, I guess the Talladega thing pushing Hosevar, but yeah. Um, again, that's not something where I was going to question that last week. We talked about that, you know, a guy who knows what he's doing. I mean, it's unfortunate, but, um, you know, this didn't stack up well for him anyway, you know, going into this, I believe on our last podcast episode, we said we were looking at the points and we said, what, what do we think is going to happen here? Both of us said, well, we think Reddick is going to, you know, who was only two points below the cut line, uh, or whatever it was. And, and, we thought being a great road course racer, if, if, you know, if he's going to be straight up with Keselowski for the last spot, he's probably going to move in. Keselowski, um, is probably going to move out. That's ultimately what happened. Keselowski, you know, he, there was some, you know, he had a couple stop and goes penalties, I think, or pass through once when he didn't stop fully, mm-hmm. but still, even with that, um, it just, it, it never really was stacking up for them. 
And he also really never had the playoff points as well, where, That's the thing. you know, we, we, and again, neither of us had him in our round of eight. And, and that was part of the reason. And that's the big difference of why he is not going on. And Chris Buescher, his teammate, is. Chris has got those three wins this year, and those bonus points are huge. And Brad is not – he's never won a road course race. I mean, that, that is the fact. I don't think he's terrible on Almost won Watkins Glen, though. He's, he's, come, he's, he's, he's come close a couple times. But that – that like, Watkins Glen is the one road course where he has been able to do well at. The other one's not so much. And it felt like you if he was going to go on to the next round – He's going to have to have a good Texas. He finished in top 10 there. And then you got to get points at Tal- either got to win Talladega or you got to leave there in a good point spot with a more of a cushion than he did. Leaving Talladega with a, just a two point cushion, that wasn't going to be enough. And that I think when you left Talladega in that situation, it was like, oof, you're, you're in a tough spot because this going into the Roval, that's like, I couldn't think of a worse track for Brad to go into in the situation he was in. The next one to miss was Bubba Wallace. He is out after his first career playoff appearance. Made it this far, but, you know, came in. I think he was minus nine coming in or something, right? And, uh, yep. you know, it was going to be tough for him at a road course. That said, I mean, he had a great weekend. I mean, uh, I think he had a stellar weekend for for him on road courses and, and has really turned that around for himself. Um, you know, he he qualified well. He practiced well. Uh, he got stage points. He, he, he did what he was, you know, in position to do. It just, it just didn't fall his way. I think uh, ultimately he misses by 17 points. If, um, if somebody up above, you know, like a Truex or a Larson, somebody like that does have the bad day that we've seen from people in these playoff races, you know, crash or blown engine or something, Bubba would have been in the mix to make that he would have been racing Chastain for it ultimately, uh, for that cutoff spot, but still wouldn't have had, um, wouldn't have had enough points. It seems like, but still like, I feel like he, um, you know, for a first career playoff appearance, um, you know, I, I think he did pretty respectable for himself. Still has some good tracks for himself coming up. He can still finish decently high in the points. You would think so. Um, you know, I, I think it's a good, it's, it's something, it's something for Bubba to build on at least I, w- I would say. I think that's spot on. I think he's got a lot to be proud of. And he was he was kind of pointing at that when he got out of the race car. You know, he took a few minutes to kind of collect himself and everything, which is which is normal for Bubba. And then when we spoke with him, he said, hey, you know, I've got I'm starting to get, you know, he's kind of saying, hey, I deserve a little bit more credit for my road racing ability. And he did. He qualified well this weekend. He did well. We didn't really see the chaos with the playoff guys that we anticipated. Right. Um, you know, Brad was really the only guy who had serious issues today but it wasn't enough to open the hole for Bubba. I look back on it. There's two things with Bubba. One, man, that late restart at Texas, right? Like, and, and you know, almost winning there and just falling short. That's great. And then going to Talladega, which is his best track and, you know, leaving there with a 23rd place finish, not getting any stage points or getting very few stage points. That's tough. And it's, it's really tough. Cause it, you know, you, when you go to a racetrack and you don't play, that is your strength and you don't leave there uh, on the upside, that's tough. And I think, you know, I think there's probably gonna be a little bit of regret of kind of left. We left something on the table here because you, you mentioned how the schedule sets up and, you know, I was talking to some people in the garage for the, the story that I'm working on for the athletic you're going to see this week. And I'll tell you what, there was more than one person that told me if, Bubba gets to this next round, like him getting to Phoenix is not off the table because 
but you know, he's got intermediate track speed. He runs very, very well at Las Vegas Homestead again, intermediate track. And then Martinsville, he runs really well at too. Like there was more than one person that said him getting to Phoenix is, is not, is a, is an obtainable goal for that team. Unfortunately for them, they weren't able to punch their ticket through and we're not going to see if that could happen. Another one who is out. And again, neither of us had him advancing. Um, so maybe not a huge surprise, but um, Ross Chastain, he ends up missing it by uh, 12 points. And um, you know, it was a, it was a valiant effort for them, but it, they just, you know, they kept saying like, Hey, we, we, we think we can get the speed and we're not worried. And, you know, we're just, we're not that far away, you know, it felt like, but, and, and it, you felt like there was maybe some possibility that they could uh, pull off some magic the way they opened the playoffs, you know, Darlington stuff like that. It was like, okay, well maybe they can turn things on. Um, and here's a guy who has won at a road course before. And he ultimately finished top 10 today. He got, he finished 10th, but they just, um, they just fell off. I mean, it, uh, I just feel like track house since, you know, since may just didn't really have it. So, um, what's up? I'm looking at the stats. I mean, he just, the number of laps he's led since winning at Nashville is, is jarring. You know, it's 16, 19 and one are the number of laps he's led since his win at Nashville. And it's like, this team's mojo has just gone. Like it felt like, Whatever happened at Darlington, whatever conversation Justin Marks had, and maybe didn't have any influence at all, because it, you know, frankly, probably comes more down to speed and performance of the cars. This team was like night and day different. Beginning of the year, they were fast, they were doing all those things, leading laps, winning stages, putting themselves in position to do well, and then it's just boom, flip switches. And since then, they've just been off. And they, yes, they got that win at Nashville, but that looked like an anomaly. They just haven't looked like the same team. And it's like everything has been a grind. It hasn't been easy. And it wasn't easy for them today. And, and kudos to them. And I think Denny Hamlin said it right in his podcast. Like Ross is driving his ass off, you know, like, and he is. Like he finished 10th today and despite issues and everything else. And it's like he, he's, he's doing what he can. But again, at the end of the day, if your cars aren't fast enough, they aren't fast enough. And, you know, unfortunately for him too, that Talladega thing, I don't blame him. It's just, it was an unfortunate accident, but that was something they weren't able to overcome. And, yeah, you know, I don't, you know, again, I don't think either of us are surprised. Yeah. Ultimately, um, just keeping ourselves accountable here, although this is a, a good way to do it. Sometimes we keep ourselves accountable because we whiff, but um, I ended up getting seven of the eight drivers right. in this round correct. Um, I missed Reddick. You know, I had him out in the first round. I think we both I did. Um, and I had Harvick making the final eight instead. You had Ooh. six of the final eight, correct? Yeah. I mean, it's very respectable in my opinion. Uh, you missed Blaney and Reddick. You had Logano and Bush making it this far instead. I don't, I don't blame you on the Blaney one. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's funny on both Blaney and Reddick though. Like I kind of see a path now, really, especially with Reddick. Like I think Reddick's going to be the championship four. I really do. Like well, I think it stacks up win. well for him. It stacks up it well stacks for him, up especially really with well. Homestead the in there. Weeks. And yeah, yeah. Like I think he's going to win one of the next two races. I think he wins at Las Vegas or he wins at Homestead. Martinsville, he's okay. He's not great, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think he's going to win one of the next two races. And frankly, Blaney, this round sets up well for Blaney if they can find some speed and they don't make mistakes. Like there's a path for them to get to the championship four. And can we make a quick note on Blaney? A lot of, and you're going to read this on the Athletic this week. There's a lot of people that think that if he gets to Phoenix as part of the championship four, 
he's a guy to watch for. He's finished second there in the last two races there. Maybe could have won their last ball. Like he's starting to get there. There's some, there's some believers in the Blaney camp right now. Yeah. You know, I was watching the post-race show on Peacock and you know, they, they were talking about, uh, in victory lane, they were saying, you know, well, you really make a case for all eight of these guys to, uh, to make it to the final four now. And I was kind of like, well, I kind of think seven of eight. And then uh, Dale Jarrett immediately goes, no, actually, uh, I think seven of eight because not true X. And that was exactly what I was thinking because, but it's true. I mean, like, yeah, you give them your playoff points back, but yet again, here they are. They, they made it by 12 points today, but, um, they have not finished top 15 in the entire playoffs, not even a top 15. No. Uh, they had, they obviously weren't top 15 at Daytona to end the regular season either. So the last time they were in the top 15 was Watkins Glen on August 20th. Um, Truex was 20th today in a time where like late in the race, there was a chance that Kyle Busch could have won and yeah. he would have been racing some yeah. of those guys for that last spot. Uh, he only, he was, he was one point behind Kyle Larson, three points or four points behind Reddick. But, you know, they were like, oh, just, you know, take it. Because it's like they had nothing. They, they were completely, I mean, they just don't look like themselves at all. Uh, it no. is so bizarre. So I really have no faith in them. Um, despite all the playoff points that they're going to have uh, to start this round, I mean, yeah, I guess they could go turn it on and, and have a great Vegas and, you know, show out. But I'm just like, I, I don't see any evidence of that, uh, something to feel good about. So I almost feel, I, I, I do feel like you can make a case for um, all the other seven guys maybe, but Truex, I'm just like, eh, I don't know about that. It's interesting. Like, I mean, part of me, I agree that you make a really good point. He hasn't finished in the top 15 in the playoffs. It, you know, the drought actually started before the playoffs a little bit. And I look at it, and the other side, I say he's plus 15. But everything that could go wrong seemingly has gone wrong. All of their, you know, all of the good vibes around this team are out the window. And yet, despite as poorly as they've done, they're still plus 15 going into a round that has three really, really great tracks for that. And Toyota has got great intermediate track speed. Like they don't even, it just it feels like th- there's a reason to think that at some point this is going to flip the other way again. And why not this round? And Toyota's really fast on the intermediate tracks. Martin is really good at Martinsville. It's like, I can see why you, you feel this way. But the other hand, is like, there's a reason to think that it, it's they're going to be okay. And they're, they still got enough points in their back pocket. Yeah, if they go and finish outside the top 15 in three straight races, they're out. They're done. If they have one bad race, they're probably done. But I also look at it and think, they could, this team is better than they ran. They, they, they're going to figure it out. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. And maybe I'm foolish for thinking that. Well, we said that after the first round and that just, didn't, <laughs> yeah. you know, but here's the thing, like, and, and I saw some people on X formerly known as Twitter, some, some replies, you know, saying, Hey, wow. Like this is BS. Like th- this, this is a terrible system. This proves that it's bad because, you know, he made it this far without any top 15s. I feel like the opposite. No, yeah, no. like this is good. We want the regular season to matter. We don't want it to yeah. be completely irrelevant. He did do enough in the regular season with winning the regular season championship, winning races to get to this point. Now you can't do this in this round. You just can't no. like, you can't just even finish outside the top 10 a couple times and hope to make it unless you win a race. So that's all gone now. So, but yeah. I think that it's fine being able to make it this far. And it's not like he made it 
convincingly. Like if something had gone wrong today, he would have been out. But, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. And I don't doubt what you're saying about they could do it. Sure. I mean, we've, we saw it all year. They were pretty good, but right now I just don't feel, I don't see any reason to feel great about them where the other ones I do. And, and like you, I would currently put Reddick in my final four to replace my original true X pick. And I'd go along with, um, you know, Byron Hamlin, Hamlin Larson, because despite Larson, again, sort of like having an iffy, you know, weekend and, and you'd be like, Oh, is he going to be out? They made it. And I just feel like they still have the speed. Like you're not going to, can you really bet against Larson at Vegas and Homestead? Um, He's not bad at Martinsville, by the way, he's gotten a lot better there. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not betting against Larson at all. So I'm sticking with my original three picks. Um, and then I'll, I'll slide Reddick in there for now. Apologies to Christopher Bell and Chris yep. Buescher and Ryan Blaney. But, and, and look, I mean, those guys, I mean, you can make a case again for any of them, short track and road course or, or and intermediate ovals. I think both, uh, you know, all three of those drivers, you can be like, well, I mean, look, Busher could do it. Sure. Bell. Blaney, Blaney won the Coke 600. I mean, he's good at Martinsville. I mean, there's a lot of, this is going to be a tough round. And and I think you've got some really good cars in there. I don't really think anybody, I really don't feel like anybody snuck in. I mean, do you feel like the the best eight are are in it? I mean, if you look at the totality of the year, I mean, who, who is not in here that you would say is one of the best eight. And I, I don't see that. I mean, you look at William Byron. I mean, you could, you could have made a, you could have made a case at some point for Kyle Busch. But the not, way they not, fell not, off, not, no. not the way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the consistency wasn't there. I mean, Kozlowski, you could have said at some points, but you know, they were running well, but not. But he I mean, race, the thing, like, the thing about the thing. we just didn't, Reddit we didn't see Reddick coming because we didn't think Reddick's team was going to be able to clean up all the errors and take themselves out. But they had enough speed yeah. that you can sort of see it. So I, I'll go out and I'll, yeah, I'll say this is the best, the, the best eight cars. Um. Yep. Sure. You know, I, and so now we get a real true showdown, which, uh, you know, I'm excited about. I was ranting on our, we did a, um, for those who haven't heard it, we did a schedule podcast where we broke down the schedule just for subscribers only. You can find that, um, on the athletic. It was sort of a a bonus for the people who do, you know, support us on the athletic and, uh, you know, my part of my uh, being upset about next year's schedule is that you know, I, I don't want to see a few fluke guys in there along with the best. I, I, I would like to see as, as somebody that follows a sport, the best, the best going at it head to head. So looking at the top eight, I feel like you could make a pretty good argument that that is who we have this year to get to watch. And, uh, I will enjoy seeing how that plays out over these next uh, few weeks. For those who haven't listened to it, the Jeff Gluck rant, there was three of them in the episode, by the way. The third one is epic. 10 out of 10 on the rant scale, all timer. Go listen to it. You're going to love it. People were very excited by it. And so, Jeff, I was just curious too, in the few days since the schedules come out, your feelings on Atlanta and the playoffs changed at all? Are you looking forward to it? I'm, I'm not going there again. My blood pressure has finally gone back to normal. So I don't need to, uh, I don't need to get mad again, Jordan. No. Well, can, can I ask you another question then? Um, I think we have to agree though, that today's race was better with stage breaks. So how do you feel about that? I mean, it was better with stage breaks today. Cause otherwise this race very likely would have been what we saw at Watkins Glen and Indianapolis. Like the field got 
very spread out. And a lot of the crashes today were were probably. I'd have to go back and look, but I I don't know if any of those accidents that we saw today would have happened otherwise. Honestly, did that did that make it a better race for you? Made it more entertaining. Sort of like I don't know. Oh, I don't, restart, I don't know. Another restart. Another caution. I don't know if it's better because it, it depends on what you feel better. It certainly was more entertaining. It, it kept you. It, it made you want to pay attention more than the other way. Whether that's good or not is up to you and you know how you feel about it. But I don't think there's denying that the stage cautions today, or breaks, certainly helped keep your attention more because you didn't know what was going to happen then things from that ensued. I would say I will agree with you to this extent. This strategy takes the best cars out of the win, right? The way that the stage breaks yeah. are because Reddick, for instance, right? If yep. he doesn't stay out to get a stage points, then pit, then get buried. If he's able to run all day, yeah, he might Chase just Elliott too. complete dot. Well, Chase Elliott got screwed by yeah, a, a, an untimely no, caution. Saying, like, but had Chase Elliott been able to pit when he wanted to, um, it, that caution not come out, I would have really liked to see a Chase Elliott, AJ Allmendinger duel. That might've been, hmm. you know, Elliott might've been the best car, but yeah, I mean, once you get back in the field, you can't really come up you know, even with a great car, Reddick had Reddick maybe had the best car, right? But he only got back up to sixth after he gave up his track position to get the stage points, which he needed the stage points um, to advance. But so you can't fault him. But the stage breaks force the stage breaks essentially say, "Hey, let's take all the best cars, and um, we're we're probably not gonna we we'll put them in a position where they feel so desperate for stage points that they have to take them. They feel obligated to take them." And then they get buried and somebody else wins instead. Now, Almondinger, okay, he's probably a top two or three car himself. So it's not like you found some totally fluky person and, you know, all that stuff. But, and he didn't run away with it by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but, but those late you know, cautions, though, if you don't get those late cautions and everything else, which probably, again, wouldn't have happened. Well, what do those have to do with the stage break, well, the late be, cautions? Be, well, because... The late caution, the, the the stage, the 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 second stage break bunched the field up, and it kind of jumbled everything up, and it put everybody closer together. Yeah, so but after the get... second stage break, they ran twenty four laps before um, mm-hmm. the caution with Denny's second spin mm-hmm. and Ty Dillon. So that that didn't bunch. I mean, they got spread out again. That that could have happened naturally. I don't. I don't it, to me, it felt like this. We wouldn't have seen the number of cautions later you would have because the field again that you go back to the first stage everybody got really spread out and yeah, the first stage was not good and so i don't know i, I think this yeah i know i mean i was not highly against it and i i still don't love it but i mean again like if you're looking for the entertainment part of it which i guess everybody is then um there you go speaking of which we might as well vote on the good race poll since we're already talking about it um you tied it up last week it was lower than i thought it was i i uh, overdid it on my uh talladega enthusiasm i think with the three wide last week i don't know some people just didn't love it as much as i thought it was going to be in the mid 90s you thought low 90s and it ended up being in the high 80s so it's three to three now um and uh it's really anybody's anybody's game as somebody reminded me last week when i said oh i really need the tiebreaker so i got to guess close to you. There is no tiebreaker because we started with an odd number by you winning the regular season championship. So it's not going to end 
in a tie. So I don't need to play that game. But uh, anyway, it's, I would have lost either way. So um, you get to go first. Good luck with this yeah. one. I, this is this is another tricky one to me. Uh, hang on, I'm, I'm I'm doing some quick research here. Oh, geez, uh, research again? Yeah. Research. Did you text friends? I'm sorry that I, my friends are engaged in the poll and, and want to, you know. You can't phone a friend. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, man. Uh, I'm going to go 50%. Right? Oh, goodness. High or low? I, I think that's a little bit low. Oh. You think it's going to be 50? I, I almost went lower too. I, I think the backlash against the Roble is real. That's true. And, and I think, especially when you're like, why, why are we still are, doing this? Yeah. It, and next the, year, especially after the first stage, if you would have voted, I would, if, I would love to know when people would have voted after the first stage, the backlash to the Roble is real. Went to the tweet up today and I got a lot of questions about the Roble next year and it's coming back and how I felt about that and why, why it's coming back. I mean, just, I don't, it's not popular. I, I don't, there's, there's no, there's no way you're going to convince me otherwise. And the conversation I've had with people in the industry or fans or whoever, whomever, this is not a popular race. It has run its course and it was great. And I feel like that is going to factor into the decision. And while the end was better than I think we thought it was going to be, and it was entertaining and it certainly, we didn't, it was in doubt a little bit. I don't think it was enough to, to dramatically shift it. So I'm going to say 50. I, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Last year's Roval race got a 19.2%, which is one of the six worst, uh, worst races that have ever been in the poll out of 294 races. Mm-hmm. But the other uh, Roval races, the other four, have mm-hmm. all been 83% or higher. Yeah, so, but that's fair. Like there, there's been a noticeable shift though between the what fans feel about the role has coincided with the introduction of the next gen car, and you got to factor in those first role races were freaking chaotic as hell. Who won those races, by the way? Um, and how they finished that first year was a you know last lap craziness. Then Chase Elliott won them back to back. Since the next gen car came in, though, it's changed completely. Well, I, no, I agree with you, and I, I certainly don't want to see it back next year. I have no idea why it is coming back again. Don't need two road course races in the playoffs. Don't need this instead of the oval. Think about the oval today as an elimination race, how exciting that would have been. Um, that would have been super compelling. Uh, and, you know, again, you had the you had enough cautions to have some restarts that, oh, it's getting crazy. Oh, man. Um, but, that just, I mean, does that really – make a race. I mean, I, I agree that with what you're, with your sentiment, I just don't know if people are going to vote it that low. Um, maybe they are, maybe they are, but I'm going to go, I'll go, uh, I just, I guess I'll just go 53. I'll just go mid fifties and give myself a lot of breathing room. Um, I understand it could be on the other side of 50, but, um, it just seems low to me. I, my original thought was going to be 60. So I will, um, I'm curious to see what the number is. Yeah, me too. Me too, definitely. I just think there there might have been enough action there for the people that wanted that yeah. at the end. Like I saw some some tweets of people like the Roval is goaded. I don't care what anybody says, and I'm like, oh my god, 
I was like, did this person follow me? Oh, jeez. I haven't seen anything to that nature, but you yeah. have a lot more followers. And so, well, I look at like the NASCAR playoffs hashtag and stuff too on the tweet deck just to see what people are saying, you know? Yeah. Just think how much uh, better this race would have been without stage breaks. Yeah. Dang it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> trying to wind you Look, up. I know, I know you are. I'm just all ranted out on the, uh, the schedule podcast. Did it for me <laughs> all time, all time. Go listen everybody. Um, Would you be mad by the way, if I took a snippet of that and just posted it on social media. Oh, you don't have the video. I don't think, do you? No, but I just take the audio. Okay. Um, all right. So what else about, uh, this race? Um, or do you just want to talk about Vegas? Who, who do you, what, what do you want, where do you want to go with this? I think we've covered the race. I think we covered everything about Vegas. I think we need to look at We've covered everything about the Roval. Nothing else comes to immediate mind. I think it's time to look ahead. Oh, well, let me ask you, what do you thought of that restart zone? That make a difference to you? I mean, it, it, the race, the restarts were, seemed less chaotic where you didn't have everybody barreling down into turn one, you know, on a tight pack, which is going to alleviate a lot of the issues we've seen here. So, the goal is to eliminate those crazy, you know, pileups that, that it has certainly worked. It worked. It, it's worked in every, every since they've tried it. Yeah. I, I didn't really love how it looked like it just looks so weird. Like with the cars sliding out uh, of the chicane, yeah. um, and trying to stay off against, you know, stay off the I, wall. I mean, I guess it, it reduced, uh, some of the wackiness they were looking for, but again, if they, want this race in the first place you aren't you're trying to so you want more wacky, wacky. Is what you're, you're advocating for? not me but that's what that's what they that's what the there was a the moment is. though and i think it was the restart where kyle was second like he got real maybe it was third but he got really loose and he like slid up and it looked like i thought we were going to see like everybody just pile in that happened with suarez at one point remember that he kind of yeah. slid up made contact we saw the um, Xfinity race too, by the way. Too. Yeah, but that, that had more to do with that had more to do with somebody had old tires than anything. But still, yeah. By the way, Ty Gibbs had a great run today. I mean, we mentioned him briefly earlier, but um, I, I will say right now, I'm putting Ty Gibbs in my playoffs next year. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a given for you. Yeah. Oh, know. interesting. Yeah, okay. he's in my he's in my two. The guy, you look at his second half performance this year. He's very, very good. He's gotten better. He's not making, too, he's eliminating the mistakes. He's not perfect by any means. More consistent, runs well at a variety of racetracks. Yeah, he's going to win a race next year. He's in the playoffs. Interesting. Okay. I thought I, I thought I was uh, not being bold, but I thought I was saying something that you might disagree with, but no, you were, you were right on it. Okay. So Vegas is going to be so interesting, right? And um, this is really you know, the race where you can set yourself up so well for the championship. Mm -hmm. Um, but I really don't have a great feel yet for who it's going to be because I feel like we've seen the performance kind of go up and down, um, on these intermediate tracks. I would tend to lean toward a Toyota. Texas was sort of a weird one, right? Like where you're like, I don't know if this is, you can really group this in with the other ones with the other, uh, you know, mile and a half as much, obviously Byron won that one, uh, Reddick won Kansas. I, I would think that Vegas is maybe a little bit more Kansas ish. Um, that said Byron won Vegas in the spring. I don't know how much has changed. Who, who are you looking at? Um, for some of your picks there, uh, going into Vegas. 
I don't think there's any reason to think it's going to be anything different than what we've seen. You go back to Texas, and who was strong there? William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, um, the Toyotas uh, of, of 2311. Well, we know Bubba's out. Why is Las Vegas going to be any different? I mean, the 24 is going to be fast. The 5 is going to be fast. The 11 is going to be fast. I think Reddick's going to be in the big in, in the mix as well. It's kind of a, it feels like the usual suspects, you know. The, the big question to me, is, it circles back to what we talked about earlier. Is Martin Truex Jr. going to show up? This is a racetrack for him. Toyotas are fast in intermediate racetracks. You know, uh, Texas, he did, he spun at Texas and got some damage. And But even before that, he wasn't, like, blazing fast. So that, to me, is the big question mark of what we're going to see out of Martin Truex Jr. If Martin Truex Jr. shows up at, Tex, uh, shows up at Las Vegas and is kind of back, we're going to know it. And I think that's going to indicate what he's going to do at Homestead. But if he shows up to Las Vegas and it's more of the same of what we've seen over the last, you know, six races in the playoffs, then there's then I think you can officially probably write him off and say, you know, he's not going to go to Homestead and do this. Um, so I think it's going to be Byron. I think it's going to be Hamlin. I think it's going to be Larson. I don't really think that. The other thing I'm curious to see, can the Fords – particularly uh, Ryan Blaney and Penske, which have struggled in intermediate tracks there, largely, yes, I know we won at Charlotte. Do they have anything? Um, can they fig- can Blaney figure out a way to knock out a top 10 finish when maybe his car isn't the best? If he can do that, that sets him well up for Homestead and then going forward. So those are the big questions for me. Well, it's going to be, um, you know, it's an early start time out in Vegas. It's 1130 local um, in order to get. Well, that's early. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, a, a current a concern has been um, with this race about the heat. Now it, it's moved further back. And if you look at the forecast, it, it had been in the high 90s, like 99, 100, I think there. But um, supposedly in time for the race, it's going to cool off a little bit. So it's not going to be sort of like the super hot, slick track. Um, it looks like right now I'm seeing for race day, this is, you know, we're still a week out, but high of 84. Um, Xfinity high of 83. So, um, and again, at that time of the morning, you know, it's, it's not, uh, it's, it's not even going to be still like, you know, at the peak temperatures, I think when the race starts. So, um, I think it should be a pretty straight up race. I mean, we'll just see again, we're seeing the best, the best at this point going, going for it. So that's what I'm, uh, looking for. And, and Homestead's going to be awesome as well. So I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the next two weeks to see how this all shakes out. Um, I don't have a, you know, I don't have an amazing gut feeling on it, but so far the people that we thought would make it to this point have largely made it. Um, all of our final four, both of our final four are still intact. So there hasn't been really, there hasn't been like some shocking upset to this point, um, which is actually a little bit unusual in some ways. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah. All right. Uh, I feel like we're forgetting something as always, but, um, anything else on your mind? Uh, Sam Mayer called himself AJ Allmendinger 2.0. I mean, listen, three wins on road courses races this year. Like, I mean, you know, give him his credit. Give the man his credit. Pulled himself off, off the, uh, scrap heap when he had to gets it, gets it into the, the next round for him. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel, I feel like we're. They're not a big, I, I guess because we talked about the schedule for an hour on the other podcast, this podcast, I feel like is shorter or something, but. Yeah. Um, 
Not much. I mean, if you want to, you know, what what did you think about Atlanta starting the playoffs next year? Great move. Don't you think home run? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? That's a great move. I, I don't see any reason why it would not be a home run move. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be unpredictable. It's going to. Let put me ask you this. In. You were at the track this weekend. So uh, what are, what were the drivers? You know, you've heard my opinion. What are the drivers saying about? <laughs> they don't episode? like it. Of course they don't like it. Of course. They don't, like it. they don't want to be in that. They don't want to be in the super. They don't want to be in more super speedways than they have to be, especially at that time of the year. And it's, you know, they, they, they echoed your sentiment, which is, I mean, you're going to end up now probably eliminating worthy teams much earlier than you would otherwise. And instead of, you know, usually you can, you can always pencil in the regular season champion. I think, I think this, I think every year the regular season champion has made it the round of eight. Um, since you've gone to this format in 2014, like it feels like that's no longer given. That said, it will certainly put more of an onus on the regular season and making sure you do well and getting bonus points because now you're going to need probably every one of those last points. Um, I'm trying to pull up owner points here, but yeah. um, how about Chase Elliott? By the way, that's what I'm saying. I was it's it's giving me an error. Uh, it didn't get to my email because we've had boy we we had a week on this. Uh, NASCAR email chain. It's so great. Oh, oh you guys. Oh like, oh. What? When did it start? Like a week ago? No, not not quite a week uh, ago. Uh, earlier in the week, I want to say maybe Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. So somehow, like it's, the NASCAR. If we were talking about this, <laughs> like the listserv thing, um, it, it 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 went out to everybody, and somebody started replying all. And every time they reply all, it goes out to NASCAR's entire distribution list over and over again. And some people are just like losing their freaking minds, which it's annoying. Don't get me wrong. Cause like some people are just messing with other people, just replying back. And then there's like this one woman named Kathy who like demanded. Oh, Carol, 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 right. Carol. How could you do that? Sorry. Sorry, Carol. Put some respect on Carol's name, please. Carol's like super angry, like wants an apology (laughs) from NASCAR, but then she accidentally herself didn't realize that she emailed the entire distribution. I mean, there has to be like over a thousand people on this list probably. And people just, they keep replying. And even today, like when it, just when it dies down. I was so excited today. I was so excited. It got started up again at like 4.15 today. Someone else replied. I was like, I literally clapped. Like I was like, yeah. And I like literally sitting next to Noah Lewis. I was like, Noah, guess what? We got more emails. It's back up again. I was so excited. Like there is a part of me and I won't do this because one, I'm, I'm trying to be professional. Oh, yes. and do two, not write back to this. Uh, oh no, it's, it's tempting. It is. It, if, if, if I could do it anonymously or I had like a dummy account where no one was me. Oh, I'd be, I'd keeping this thing going like forever. Like I, I want to like, let it just kind of die down a little bit, you know, kind of simmer. And then I want to bring it back to a boil in a couple of days. Like, and just, Oh, I would love to do nothing more than just to keep this going. It's, I, I, I think it's hysterical. There there's like the people from like Europe on this list and they're like, <laughs> I covered one NASCAR Euro there's race and I have not interested in all these emails. Please take me off your list. But ev- again, every single person who replies to try to, to replies to the email address to take me off your list. It's going out to everybody. And somehow in 2023, nobody understands. Just stop replying and it will go away. I'm laughing so hard. I just broke my pen. 
Oh my gosh. Like my seriously, for those broke. who, I mean, and so you know, good. I hope that none of you listening are on this email list because it's annoying, but how many emails do you think annoying. total have been here so far? I mean, there has oh, been like 50 emails at least. See, I don't care about emails. Like I don't, I don't check my email. I don't live by email. If you email me, there's, there's a really good chance I'm probably not going to email you back. Like if this was a text, that's a different story. But for this, I, I can sit here and do this all day. Like I just, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm just, I think it's hysterical. Like there's, there, it, there's a real threat of probably going to have a few cocktails at some point here. And then I'm going to be like, you know what? Let's fire up that email chain again. Let's see what we can do. Well, Carol, um, <laughs> the problem is too, is there's too many, there's like every respected news outlets on there. So you, right. you gotta, you, you, you can't do that because it's you know, unprofessional. Stupid. Yeah. Well, Carol, Carol, if you replied all, she's going to come find you. She's uh, mad. Well, Carol's um, figure out a work email. All right. Not reply all. It, it, it is, it is funny though. Like I don't want to name names, but there's people that reply all and you're like, you're showing your lack of comprehension of email by replying all you're complaining about everybody replying all and you're replying all like the irony right. is rich. Yes. Yes. It's, there's many of those many. <laughs> all right. Well, um, we'll leave it there on our email woes. However, um, just before we go, um, you know, one of the great things about, um, you know, social media and the tweet ups and all that stuff is, is we get to meet a lot of great people. And, um, one of my favorite people that I've met over the years, her name's Shannon McMinnie And, um, she, she also is like, she's come to the dirty Mo suite, um, for their experience every time and super hardcore fan. She lives up in the Seattle area and, um, she lost her husband to, uh, cancer, um, a couple of days ago. Um, and it was, she, you know, he was fighting cancer for a while, but it was a little, it was unexpected with the timing. And I just wanted to, you know, acknowledge that and give a shout out to her. And, um, you know, we, the, the people that we interact with a lot on, um, Twitter and social media and stuff, I mean, you know, end up becoming friends over the years. Right. So you see people over time and, uh, just wanted to let Shannon know we're, we're thinking of her and, uh, in, in this tough time and as well as, um, our, our buddy, Chris Knight who lost his father, um, also to cancer this last week. And, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of tough times for people right now. So, um, Chris and Shannon, we're thinking of you both and, uh, hoping that you are getting through this time, uh, as easily as possible. So, um, anyway, we will leave it there and, uh, Vegas for me next week, followed by Jordan Homestead. And then we both get to uh, reunite at Martinsville and Phoenix. Can't wait. Get excited. Four to go. Wow. Pretty crazy. All right, everybody. Thanks as always for listening. We'll talk to you next time on The Teardown.